Good tidings. Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Good tidings. Good tidings to each and every one of you. Welcome to the Good Tidings radio broadcast here on WXAN Radio out of Ava, Illinois. It is February the 11th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus. And we're right in front of Valentine's Day. So I hope you've made preparations and plans for your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, that significant other, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that husband, that wife, to get them something for Valentine's Day or to do something for them. Valentine's Day, February the 14th, is a fun holiday. It's always a lot of fun. And it reminds us to deal with the subject of love. And love is a good thing. Uh, The Bible says love never fails. Now, I use the King James Version of the Bible. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton. Glad to be tuning in here to the WXAN Airways at 103.9 FM or www.wxanradio.com. When the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. We are glad you are tuned in today from wherever you are, wherever you may be listening in. We are glad to have you on WXAN. But to talk about love is... That's the wonderful, warmest, seems like one of the warmest times of the year here in the cold month of February. So here we are, February the 11th, right in front of Valentine's Day. And we're thinking about the subject of love. I am so blessed to be able to share God's word with you on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. I want you to prayerfully support and financially support WXAN Radio as they move forward in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost world preaching biblically sound doctrinal truths from the Scripture to strengthen the believer, and then all this harmonious, beautiful Christian music across the airwaves. The best Christian music this side of heaven is found right here on WXAN Radio. So we're glad you're tuned in today. Now I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to be speaking this morning as we consider the subject of love. Okay, here it is, the Valentine's uh, year, uh, time of the month, and Valentine's is fun and and causes us to stop and think about love. So I want to take you today to a message that I've entitled, The Greatest Words Ever Spoken. The Greatest Words Ever Spoken. In John chapter 3, And verse number 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those are the greatest words ever spoken. And by way of introduction, a man was sitting in a train station reading his Bible when a skeptic came by. The skeptic walked past him several times and then finally stopped and asked, You don't believe everything in that book, do you? The man looked up from his Bible and replied, Well, to be honest with you, I must admit that I have found one verse that is hard to believe. Oh, I thought so, said the skeptic. What is it? The man said, It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Folks, these are the greatest words ever spoken, and we, like the Christian in the train station, find them almost unbelievable. Martin Luther said in John 3.16 that it was the gospel in miniature. Someone else said that it was the gospel in a nutshell. G. Campbell Morgan, in his book, Preaching, said, and I quote, There is a text that I've never attempted to preach on, though I've gone around it and around it, and that's John 3.16. It's too big. When I've read it, there's nothing else to say. If we only knew how to read it, so as to produce a sense of it in the ears of the people, there would be nothing to preach about. End of quote. The greatest words ever spoken. John chapter 3 and verse number 16. Now, folks, there are 10 words in this verse that form five pairs of words. In each case, the second word comes out of the first. The first pair of words in John 3.16 is God and Son. The Son came out of the Father. The second pair is loved and gave. The giving comes from the loving. The third is world and whosoever. Out of a world of people comes a group of whosoever's. The fourth pair of words in John 3.16 is believeth and have. The having comes from the believing. The fifth pair of words is perish and everlasting life. Out of a world of perishing people comes a group who believe and have everlasting life. The words of this text, they're simple, they're sufficient, and they are sure. The text speaks of lost sinners, tells of a lifted Savior, and promises a lasting salvation. Let's take a moment as we have time left and look on this eve, if you would, of Valentine's Day, February the 14th. Here we are, the 11th. Let's look at what John 3.16 actually says, the greatest words ever spoken. Number one, as we consider the greatest words ever spoken, let's consider, first of all, this text speaks of lost sinners. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The person who does not put their faith in Christ is lost. He or she will perish. Lost is a good Bible word describing those without the Savior. In Luke 19.10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, the person without Christ is lost from God's purpose. God created man to fellowship with him. The whole purpose of man's existence is to fellowship with God. God was alone in the world, so he created man in his own image that he may enjoy the company and fellowship of man. Every man has a capacity to love and a desire to be loved. If we are created in the image of God, then God also has that capacity. The greatest commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. 
God enjoyed the fellowship of Adam and Eve until they disobeyed him, took of the forbidden fruit, and became sinners. The result was they were driven from the Garden of Eden and separated from God because of their sin. Now, sin makes it impossible for God to fellowship with us and for us to enjoy the purpose for which we were created. Fellowship with the purpose of his very existence. But that's not all. The person without Christ is lost from God's provisions. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, no one can claim the promise that I shall not want unless he or she can first say, the Lord is my shepherd. So the person trusting Christ as Savior can claim the blessed promise of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, the lost may be strong as young lions and enjoy many things, but they cannot claim the promise of God's provision until they trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because they are lost from God's provisions. Thirdly, the person without Christ is also lost from God's protection. There's a blessed promise in Romans 8 and verse 28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If I love God, then I can believe that all things are working together for my good. That is the clear promise of Scripture. But the promise is not to the lost, it is to them that love God, and to them who are the called according to his purpose. David said in Psalm 27 and verse 5, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. What a blessed promise! But they are only to those who trust Christ as Savior. The lost cannot claim these promises. If there were no heaven and no hell, and I knew it, I would want to be a Christian if for no other reason, simply to be able to claim the promises, these comforting promises of God. Now, finally, as we consider the text speaks of lost sinners, the person without Christ is lost from God's punishment. Sin must be paid for. And a just God said to Adam and Eve, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2 and verse 17. And the Bible warns in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin must be punished. It must be paid for, or else God would sacrifice his own justice. The payment for sin is death, and that death is the second death in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The person who goes on without Christ must pay their own sin debt. This means that ultimately he or she will spend eternity in the lake of fire. The only alternative is to trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Have you done that? And in so doing, we accept the payment that Jesus Christ has made for our sins on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. I want to thank the Lord for the blessed blessed ministry interim pastor that I have been at J City Church. We've seen a number a significant number of people come to trust Christ down the aisles with repentant tears in their eyes and being saved. 
being baptized, joining the church and becoming part of the church of and winning souls to Christ. God has blessed that. Folks, if you have a church or a ministry that needs or wants a revival, I'm available. David Pinkerton, I'm available. Contact me at drdave13 at gmail.com. drdave13 at gmail.com. I will be more than glad to come and do revivals or special meetings. I've pastored a long time. I am a church strengthener. I am an evangelist. I know I can do the work of an evangelist. Regardless of the size of your church, I would love to come. If you desire revival, I can show you from the Scripture how that can be attainable. God has revived the J-City Church, and to which I'm very grateful. What a wonderful group of people. So our text speaks here of lost sinners. As we consider the greatest words ever spoken, in John 3.16. But secondly, our text tells of a lifted Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Folks, he was lifted up on a tree. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, 2,000 years ago, God took every sin we have ever committed and all we ever will commit in our lifetime and laid those sins on his son, Jesus Christ. That is not just preacher talk. Those are the exact words of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There are two alls in that text. One all has reference to all the people, and the other all has reference to all the iniquity or the sin. All the iniquities of all the people were laid on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And while Jesus Christ was bearing our sins and iniquities in his own body, God punished him in our place to pay the debt that we owe. That is a Bible fact. Jesus suffered our hell and paid our sin debt. He uttered seven things while hanging on the cross. The sixth thing that he uttered was, It is finished. John 19 and verse 30. Among other things, the statement, it is finished, meant that payment for our sin was finished. The song says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Not only was the Savior lifted up on the tree, but he was lifted up from the tomb. Before his crucifixion, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. If he had not been raised from the dead, we would not know that he was who he claimed to be. But Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says concerning Christ that he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Christ is a declaration that God is satisfied with the payment Jesus made for our sins. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died for us and that he paid our sin debt on the cross. And how do we know that God accepted the payment? How do we know that the sacrificial death and blood atonement of Jesus Christ met the demands of a holy God? Well, the answer is simple. The empty tomb. The Savior was lifted up on a tree and lifted up from the tomb. But folks, that's not all. He was lifted up to a throne. Philippians 2 and verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus Christ is not coming back to be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's already crowned. Revelation 19, verse 11 and 12 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and they that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now we sometimes sing, We shall crown him with many crowns. But that simply is not true. When the Lord Jesus returns, he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He will already be crowned. He's been lifted up to a throne. He now sits on the right hand of the throne of God. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21, he promises, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father, in his throne. But not only was he lifted up on a tree, lifted up from a tomb, and lifted up to a throne, but he is to be lifted up by our tongues. Folks, it is the responsibility of every Christian, every preacher, every deacon, every trustee, every Christian musician, every born-again child of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Your churches are dying because you quit becoming fishers of men and have become keepers of the aquarium. You, Your church will die on the vine. Ichabod will be written over your church. I've seen it too many times when Christians quit knocking doors, sharing the gospel, Acts 5, 4, Acts 4, 452, Acts rather 542, and sharing out gospel tracts and reaching the lost and doing special occasions to reach the lost. We are to tell the world about Jesus Christ, folks. It is the business of every Christian to lift Jesus Christ up in our conversations. Have you lifted up Jesus with your tongue lately while you sit at McDonald's and have coffee? Or you sit down at the diner and have that piece of pie? Have you told the person next to you about Jesus Christ? Have you invited them to church, prayed for their salvation? Have you told the poor sinner how to be saved? Have you given someone a gospel tract? Jesus said in John 12 and verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He said, I will if I'm lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The text not only speaks of the lost sinner, 
but it tells of a lifted Savior. And finally, the greatest words ever spoken, John 3.16, it speaks thirdly of a text that promises lasting salvation. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How could anything so clear get so complicated, clouded, and confused? These words are simple, sufficient, and they're sure. If a person believes on Christ as Savior, in other words, puts their trust in Him and Him alone as their personal Savior, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Right now, from the sincerity of your heart, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith. You're a sinner. You must accept that fact that you can't save yourself. You have nothing to offer God. You are a sinner who commits sins. And you owe a sin penalty because of your sins. You owe a wage. And the only way you have of having your sins forgiven is through the death, the shed blood, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Putting your faith in Jesus and him alone to be your Savior. If you would like to do that, follow me in a simple prayer of faith right here, would you? From the sincerity of your heart, Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, if you've trusted Christ by a prayer of faith, the Bible says you've been born again spiritually, the second birth. Write me for free information, for new steps in the right direction as a Christian. I'll get you information and materials. That email address is drdave, D-R-D-A-V-E, 13 at gmail.com. DrDave13 at gmail.com. Or write the station, WXAN. Call them. They'll let you know how to get a hold of me. I'll be glad to help you out. But folks, the text speaks of lasting salvation. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, God has given you everlasting life. And salvation is lasting because God's passion is lasting. The Bible says in John 13 and verse 1, excuse me, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39, listen closely. As we consider everlasting life, a lasting salvation, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. And as it is written, For thy sake we are all killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Notice this, folks. (coughs) And I apologize for the dry cough. That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God for these wonderful verses. 
Nothing, absolutely nothing that is in existence at the moment can separate us from the love of God. But hallelujah, nothing can separate us. Nothing that can come in the future, no matter what it may be, will either be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, salvation is lasting because God's passion is lasting. Quickly, the text speaks of a lasting salvation. (coughs) Salvation is lasting because the promises of God are lasting. Time after time, the Bible plainly promises everlasting life. Here it is in our text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We find the same promise again in John 3, verses 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 36. He promises that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. John 6, verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Space does not and time does not permit me to share all the promises regarding lasting salvation. But if God had only promised it one time, that would be sufficient, friend. Thank God the Scripture in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. And the scripture says in Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. We can rely upon the promises of God. Someone said, if God said it, it is guaranteed. And that is a true statement. I love the song as I got to close. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of life, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, the Bible, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Salvation is lasting because the power of God is lasting. We are not saved because we keep ourselves. That's wrong. Charles Spurgeon once said, and I quote, If it should ever come to pass, the sheep of God could fall away. Alas, my fickle, feeble soul would fall 10,000 times a day, unquote. I think I share his feelings. Folks, we are kept by the power of God, 1 Peter 1 and verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, the greatest words ever spoken on this Valentine time on our calendar. The love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest words ever spoken. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the radio and the Good Tidings radio broadcast here on WXAN Radio. I am your radio pastor, David Pinkerton. Let us know if we can be a help to you. I'll be glad to preach for you, preach for your church, special meetings, do interim work, and be a church strengthener. God bless you. Keep looking. Jesus is coming. And may everybody experience the greatest words ever spoken that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. God bless you.
Have a wonderful Valentine's. So fear not, fear not, fine, yes, sir.